Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Other Record Labels. I'm Scott Orr. This is a special episode, a, a second of our Industry Insiders, which we're doing to kind of cap off the year and celebrate a great year. If you have been tracking along since the very beginning and you're listening to this in real time or essentially real time, if you're listening to this in real time, then that means you're here with me right now and that's creepy. But if you've been listening along, that's great. We're now at the end of 2018. We've had an entire year. I think we did 17, 16 labels that we've published. And then these two Industry Insider episodes and we have some great episodes um, already lined up for um, next year in January. Um, this Today's episode, we're talking with Mike Warner from Work Hard, Playlist Hard. Work Hard, Playlist Hard is a third-party playlist curator. Um, and today we're talking about streaming and Spotify and Apple Music and this whole world. He is a, a bit of a guru. He um, has has studied a lot of, of the streaming services and, and figured out some really cool tricks. And, and you know that we've been talking about his book, um, Work Hard Playlist, Hard Ebook. Um, and he's been a supporter of the podcast. And I think you're going to get a ton of information um, about about streaming and about playlisting. I know it's a it's a topic we talk a lot about with our labels and there's tons of mixed opinions and and I follow almost every indie label I can find on Twitter and it seems to be a really divided issue. Um, and I think it will continue to be, but it's exciting to talk about and it's interesting to talk about and I think it's necessary to talk about because it keeps on... Um, becoming more and more prominent um, or prevalent. Prominent? Prevalent. I don't know which one's appropriate there. Thanks for listening for all these episodes. I really appreciate it. Um, this is a great interview. Thanks so much for doing this, man. It's so great to finally talk to you in, in real life. Almost. Almost, yeah. Almost really. I mean, at least we can put a voice to the emails. And- <laughs> yeah. And I will say, we're talking with Mike Warner from Work Hard, Playlist Hard, and um, the folks listening will know that name because that's a name that I've talked about every week on this podcast for the past couple of months. And I want to thank you for, um, you know, I read your ebook, and we'll talk a little bit about your ebook in this conversation, but... Um, I read your ebook and then to have that opportunity to share that book with our listeners and quite a few listeners have picked up a copy of that book um, as a way to support the podcast has been such a great thing for us and, and I think for our listeners. So, so thanks for doing that partnership as well. That's a pleasure. I mean, it was truly the perfect match. Um, you know, we've been in communication for some time and I know you're a very passionate artist and passionate about helping artists who want to do it yourself so it just seemed like the perfect match and i'm, I'm glad you want to, wanted to get on board as well and i'm glad we can help each other i feel like when i was first doing the pitch in the on the podcast as a, a sponsorship so to say, so to speak i was i was nervous because whenever you're um when you have a sponsorship um it always can and you you do a pitch for a sponsorship it can always come off as inauthentic. And, um, but I really wanted to communicate to these people that first of all, this book is not a huge ask. It's not a, it's with the discount with the coupon code. It's, it was like $9 or something. And it is well worth that, um, 10 times over. And I was, but I was nervous because I didn't want to come off as promoting a product that I didn't endorse. But I think this is a great partnership because it is, um, streaming is so uh, mysterious still for a lot of people. And I felt like this ebook um, and it's, it's a quick read and it's a very uh, uh, simple to digest, but I felt like this is a really good resource for uh, independent labels and, and DIY musicians. Thank you. I, <laughs> I, I truly appreciate that. I, um, you know, it's funny you mentioned it's a quick read. I'm actually a really slow reader. Okay. So for me, it takes a little bit longer. <laughs> I've had people tell me that they've finished it in minutes, right, uh, right. you know, less than one hour. Um, the good thing about the book, though, is that it, it is intended to be that. It's, I know that time is important for an artist. So to cut out all the fluff yes. in the book and get to the point and basically go, 
do these steps if you want this to happen, then do these steps. Yes. You know, the reading part should be short. The applying part takes time, but the applying part is where you're actually going to see rewards for yourself. You're absolutely right. And it, and it has to be a short book because it, the call to actions are, is what's going to take the long time. So when you're talking about developing a profile or you're talking about being a prolific artist or whatnot, those are the things that the artist really needs to be spending time on. Um, but the advice needs to be quick and dirty. And, and it is that. And I love it. Quick and dirty. I like that. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and it's, uh, yeah, I mean, it's, it is a really great book. It's a really, it's a really good resource. And, and book is a, is a loose term because I really think that it's a kind of thing that's like printed off and keep it on your desk, print it off. And, and for small labels, and that's who we talk about, print it off and refer back to it um, it, it, because it's it's a good advice. It's good best practices. Uh, and there's just some good reminders in there for a lot of things that we as label owners sometimes get lazy to do. Yeah, absolutely. And I, you know, I'm guilty of it myself. Mm -hmm. You know, I find myself referring to the book when there's little things that I've forgotten. Um, So it's actually been a useful tool for me as well because I also release music and I I also help a a small team of uh, DIY artists as well. So I, I have to make sure I'm on top of my game. Otherwise, it doesn't look too good. We're talking today about. Um, I want to I want to camp out, and this is a special episode because we're not obviously not talking with a record label. But I um, we're doing these little ep- special episodes talking about uh, camping out on a really specific subject. And today I want to talk about streaming, the streaming ecosystem, the streaming landscape, the streaming climate, whatever you want to call it. I um, I personally. And there's so many opinions across the labels that I've talked to, but I'm personally very hopeful for the future, and I like the way it's going right now. Uh, how do you feel about it? I I feel good about it. I really do, and um, I, I think that it's it benefits everyone from the independent artist who's just starting out. I've, I think the labels are still in a great position as well. I, I don't think anybody's really losing out right now. Um, even distributors, people were saying, oh, Spotify allow you to upload your music directly to Spotify mm. and then use DistroKid to push it to everywhere else. That's not new. Um, right. You know, you, if you upload your music directly to Apple, oh, I mean Spotify, sorry, uh, directly to Spotify, you still need a distributor to reach everyone else. Mm-hmm. I, I would never tell an artist to just put your music on one streaming service. Really? I mean, you want it to be available everywhere. Right. So, um, yeah, I, I like the way it's headed right now. I, I really like, um, you know, some people had mixed reactions, but I really like the fact that Spotify opened up the submission system for everyone. Mm. Because that's one place where they can focus all of their energy now and they're trying to find the best way to get those submissions to the direct people instead of processing, we, we can only guess how many emails per day would be going to those sure. team members because people were pretty quick to work out their email addresses <laughs> or hit them up on social media. So now there's one place where everyone goes and um, I did see a recent uh, blog post about it, and I don't know how accurate this is, so don't quote me on this, but it was something like one in seven submissions were added to a Spotify editorial playlist. Wow. And there was about 70,000 submissions since they launched that. Um, so Yeah, yeah, I heard, I heard a stat very similar to that. It was a very, very encouraging stat. Yeah. Yeah. And so and I, I have artists that have had success that um, have come to me and said, I'm so glad you told me to submit in the new system. I was lazy and wasn't going to do it. And I got added to this hot new dance playlist. Wow. And I went, aren't you glad you sat down for 10 minutes? Barely 10 minutes. some coffee and filled it yeah, out. Yeah, barely yes. 10 minutes. It, it can be done in under two minutes. Yeah. And the cool thing is if you're an independent artist, you're not expected to have this big marketing plan. But at least just have a compelling story about your song. Right when you go in there and submit and that should be enough. I mean, if Spotify like your story and they like your song, they're going to be the ones doing the marketing for you. Yeah. 
I want to clarify for our listeners because we've just dove right into this subject. Um, but this, we're talking right now about this new feature that came out, I believe, in uh, end of July, early August of 2018, and it's a feature on Spotify through the Artist Portal, um, where uh, art. So that would be artist.spotify.com, I, I believe. And um, basically, it's they have said. Um, there is a submission. So when you have a new song in your queue that is scheduled for a future release, that you can submit that to their team of whoever that is, whether that's a computer or that's a human being. And um, that song will will be listened to or will be reviewed in, to some extent and, um, and may be selected for one of their official editorial playlists. Is that correct? Yeah, that's it. And they've made the process really easy. That was such a huge, I mean, we're talking a huge thing. What was the process for an independent artist before July to try to get on an editorial playlist? Depending on how how much research you've done and how far you've come with contacts and things like that, there were some Google Forms floating around on the internet okay. that was set up by the Spotify team, as far as we understand, where you could submit. Uh, looking at those recently, they've been taken down. Okay. That's why if people ever asked me, I would never share the right. link because uh, obviously everyone got the link and they went down and now this awesome new submission process is in place. Um, but it's funny, uh, when Spotify first launched in Australia, uh, I actually initially pitched the song to them via Twitter. Okay. And um, that's unheard of now. Yeah, right. <laughs> You know, um, but it, you know, it goes to show you that when a new streaming service is out there, that's the best time to reach out to them because they want artists coming to them, showing an interest, wanting, wanting to set up their profile, direct their fans there. Mm. Um, you know, it could be it could be an existing service like Spotify that's just opening and uh, launching in a new country, or it could be a completely new streaming service altogether. Uh, you know, we've got Cobuzz is coming out in the US by the end of the year, hmm. uh, and then you know, there's other streaming services that are killing it. Like in the Middle East, you've got uh, Angami. And uh, you could have millions of fans on there that you're not reaching just because you haven't sent an email out to the team letting them know that you want them to consider your song and you want to pimp out your profile on there. Interesting. That, I mean, that's a really great point. And, and it, it could be, um, especially some of those countries that have millions of subscribers, um, uh, that's, you know, everyone's going for the big pig in Spotify or Apple, but uh, that's a really good point. Yeah. And look, I mean, you know, numbers are important. You know, obviously Spotify and Apple are sort of, you know, right next to each other towards the top of the number of subscribers and that number fluctuates and um, all of that. But outside of those, you've got your Deezers, Titles, you've got all these other streaming services. And, um, you know, in the US, Tidal own, I believe, I uh, know, not Sprint, uh, the cell phone carrier, owned 30% of Tidal hmm. and they had a deal where when you sign up a new contract, they were giving everyone six months free of Tidal. Right. So, you've got all these people that are getting a new phone and getting a music subscription and getting unlimited data to stream that music and uh, if your music's not on Tidal, you could be missing out on a bunch of new fans. Yeah. No, that's fair. Well, I love, you know, we've done distribution through CD Baby for a long time. And I know that I've seen you on their podcast. And um, they, they're great because I believe for the most part, if you have a title registered with them, when a new um, a platform comes along, generally they try to automatically add your albums or update your albums to that platform. Is that true? Yeah. Yeah, and I've distributed with CD Baby as well, so I can confirm okay, that. Okay, that's great. And that's that's a nice thing, and I'm sure DistroKid probably does a similar thing uh, in TuneCore or whatnot. Um, that's just a nice thing that the artist doesn't have to pay too much attention to what new uh, services are coming out. 
Yeah, my understanding with some of the other um, services that you mentioned is they'll do it for a fee. It might be $10 per, per year, per song or per release, and they'll push it out to all the new stores. But most of them will allow you to just log in and manually check off the new stores that you would like to add your music to as well. Oh, I see. So, then um, the reason for that is some people do a staggered release where they may put it out on uh, Apple Music with an extra song and then they may put out another version on Spotify mm. with a different song again. Um, so that's the reason why they won't automatically just push it to all stores each time and you have to actually check all those stores with your distributor. For the average independent artist, do you think there's any merit to uh, withholding from different platforms or do you think they should go everywhere all at once? Go everywhere all at once. I mean, if one of these major streaming platforms comes to you and says, hey, you know, if Spotify said, hey, we want you to come in and record some uh, original music for our Spotify original series. Hmm. Are you kidding? Get in there and do it. <laughs> yeah. you know, if Apple Music say, hey, we want to feature your song at the top of iTunes, but can you put it out with us one week before? If, if you think that's a good deal and it's one of your first releases and you want that exposure, then that would be the time to consider it. Um, aside from that, it's really only going to happen if you're a major established artist, uh, you know, someone like Bruno Mars right. and you, you strike a really good deal where you, you basically take over the entire <laughs> Apple Music homepage yeah. for a day. I haven't got that um, offer yet. No, that's it. Um, but it, it'll happen. It'll, it'll come. Yeah. yeah. Uh, um, there are, you know, I want to ask you a hard question. There are quickly developing two camps in the Spotify world. And, and, and I, I, I say Spotify, there's a lot of, their, their um, economics are similar to a lot of, the, of their competitors. But um, there are those who are critical of streaming and the low payouts. And then there are those who praise Spotify um, and the like for their promotional support of independent artists. And Spotify is a great example. And you remember last Christmas when they released those um, statistic emails that people could share on social media with how, how many fans they had, how many listeners they had. And of course, this new submission process, it seems like they are being very friendly to independent artists. Um, Yet there are there are these two groups, these people who are, are very critical of Spotify and their low payouts. Um, what are your thoughts on that? My thoughts are in instead of being critical and complaining about it, uh, do both. And what I mean by that is leave your music on Spotify and all of these streaming services. And then also go ahead and release CDs right. as as you have been in the past. And the best thing that will happen is, you know, when people buy your CD, that's straight money for mm -hmm. you, especially as an independent artist. You sell a CD for $15, it costs you $2 to create. Um, that's money in your pocket. And then those people are going to take that CD home, put it on their shelf, and then listen to your music on Spotify <laughs> or Apple anyway. It's true. Yeah. So you, you might get 25 cents out of them or, or whatever, but you've been able to sell the CD and they're taking their music with you everywhere they go and they're going to keep streaming and you're just going to keep getting that income coming through as, as they continue listening throughout their lifetime. So, um, that's a great point, man. You know, and yeah. And look, the other side of that is, I mean, I, just to put it into perspective, I released an album with my friends. Uh, I think we sold maybe 50 CDs, sure. five zero. Yeah. That was yeah. it. Uh, Five million streams on Spotify, wow. uh, which was probably easier than uh, trying to sell those CDs <laughs> to people. So, yeah, that's fair. And let, let's let's put it this way: Spotify paid out a lot better than the money we made on those right. CDs. Yeah. Um, but in saying that, it was great to know that people wanted to have a physical product with our picture on it, and whether it sits on their shelf in their car or. Maybe it's uh, in storage somewhere. You know, we, we hope that, you know, they got enjoyment out of purchasing that. It's kind of like retail. I mean, the amount of times I go shopping and I purchase something and it makes me feel good, but I never wear it or I never use it. Yeah. Um, it, it's still the feeling of buying it and people still like that feeling of physically holding something in their hand. Uh, that's why I know in Japan it took them so long to embrace streaming 
because uh, CDs were still a very big deal because they liked um, grabbing the book, reading the liner notes. Um, and, you know, obviously the, the notes are in English as well and there's a lot of information in there and it's a great way to learn and um, learn more about the music. Plus the pictures are in there. I mean, I, I still miss that. I, I used to love getting a, getting a CD, putting it in, listening to the album start to finish yeah. and reading that and book. And reading the liner notes, yeah. I, I agree. Oh, yeah. I agree. And I think that is a really good point, and I want to re-highlight that for the people listening because it is a um, it, it is a really fantastic point. It's that we can be critical of how low the Spotify um, uh, royalties are but nobody is telling us to stop playing shows and to stop releasing CDs and stop selling MP3s on Bandcamp. And I think that's a really that's just a really interesting thing because we can live in both worlds. And there are some passive listeners who who listen on Spotify and don't buy vinyl or don't buy cassettes or CDs. And uh, and then there are people who don't subscribe to the streaming services and, and want to buy on Bandcamp. And I think that we can just do both. And uh, there's no sense in, in, in trying to say we have to do it one way or the other. Yeah, Thanks, there's point. really no reason to be exclusive unless there's a reason. And, um, you know, it has to be a pretty good reason now because no, nobody wants that pressure on them of being the only place that's hosting your music. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Especially if you're an independent artist, that's that's a lot of pressure on anyone to be responsible for your song because you're the only place that is hosting it. Yes. Spotify has, um, we've talked about the submission process and, and I hope we talk about it a bit more, but it, it is a is a really, really interesting way of doing things. There. You were talking, when you were talking about those uh, Google Docs and and beforehand, I remember it being this mysterious um, suspected algorithm of, of blogs um, or people on Twitter talking about your music. Um, you know, was it mostly just these accidental ways that Spotify would discover your music? And um, was there really just no chance for a young independent artist to be discovered by Spotify before this submission process? There was always an opportunity there. Uh, so what I found you know, I've, I've helped a few artists when they've put their first songs out uh, and basically helped them through the process in the past. And what we found was that blogs would potentially lead to being featured in Hype Machine, right. which gathers all of the top blogs around the world and combines them together and basically charts based on how many blogs are featuring a song, right. how many people are sharing that blog post or the Hype Machine post on Twitter, uh, Facebook, etc., and then you'll climb up the social charts and all the other charts on Hype Machine. And what we've seen is that that would then potentially lead to a position in Fresh Finds on Spotify, mm. which is really sort of the first playlist that you want to get into as a new artist. Right. Um, you know, you're going to be there the entire week. It's people that when people go to Fresh Finds, they're looking for new artists. It could be A&R that's looking for new artists um, or, or it could just be people that like discovering new music first and being one of the first 100,000 people to hear that artist's song, um, hear a new artist. But what I found was that, uh, you know, we focused on a lot of blogs mm -hmm. and part of that was using Submit Hub yep. and searching for blogs that also contribute to Hype Machine. And then... Um, you know, just doing a little bit of research online, creating a spreadsheet and working out which blogs are open to taking submissions and giving them a, a really solid pitch. And the these artists actually, one of my artists that I was helping out, he got onto Fresh Finds and Fresh Finds Hiptronics, which is the pop uh, Fresh Finds. Okay. So two Fresh Finds play, um, placements that week. And actually got hit up by A and R for a, a very successful record label the following week. Wow. And the reason I'm not saying their name is because he actually turned them down. Oh, wow. <laughs> he said, you know what? I'm I'm happy with the way things are going right now. I appreciate <laughs> you guys reaching out, but I'm gonna keep doing this myself for now. Interesting. Um 
Yeah, he he's not trying to tour the world and be the next Bruno Mars. Right, right. Um, if you were, then you're going to need a major record label at some point, I'd say. Well, it's interesting. I was talking with a friend in Montreal who's who has said the same thing. It's it's you know he has he's a younger guy, and so he is he's developed a good social media following and a good YouTube following, and he's uploading his stuff via DistroKid, and he's getting <laughs> offers from from some small labels and, and he's basically saying the same thing. He's saying, well, why would I give away, you know, 40 or 50% of my streaming royalties when, you know, I'm doing it on my own and I'm using my own crowd. And I think that's encouraging for young artists. Yeah. And look, the, the best part is you have choice. Now you have the knowledge. So I always say to artists, I say, look, do a self-release two things are going to happen. You're going to realize that there's too much work involved and say, I'm happy to give up 50% of my revenue to a label so they can do all this work. (laughs) Or you're going to say, you know what? I got this. I've got, I know how to, I know how to pitch my music. I've got time to put aside to do this. I'm going to keep pumping out music as I want on my own terms. And I know exactly how I need to push it to uh, make, you know, give myself as many potential opportunities for success. Um, So, you know, it it really, either way, you're going to go, okay, I'm an independent artist or, you know, screw this. I need a label. (laughs) I need a team. You know, I need a manager. I, I, I want, I want somebody to book tours for me. I want somebody to help me with merch. I want somebody to get me on radio, get music videos created, get me on TV. Um, you know, there are some independent artists that do all that themselves, but they still hire a team as well. So you just got to work out what sounds better to you. If you just want to write music and have have a team of people take care of the rest, or if you want to run yourself like a business. Yeah, no, that's fair. That's a that's a good point, and uh, and I think we've seen that too with PR, and we've seen that with with independent labels that. Um, if if an artist is really capable of, of doing it on their own, then they they probably should do it on their own. Um, but it's also you can do twice as twice as much uh, if you put together a little team around your release. Um, was yeah. there a was there a sense from people who had figured out the Spotify system? Was there, um, were they frustrated when Spotify said, okay, now any Joe Blow can submit a song? No, because you know what? Most Joe Blows are either too lazy or <laughs> don't, don't know about it still. Uh, you know, I mean, people like you and me, we watch the news. We watch these blogs. I'm still telling people about this system now and they go, you can do what on Spotify? Oh, wow. I mean, I got an email from them the other week. I didn't see yeah, it. Yeah, that's true. So, and, you know, that's, that's no offense to them. They're, they're busy. Yeah. You know, people get hundreds of emails a day, even if you're not famous. You just get stuff from mailing lists and things like that. You know, things go missing. So, you know, I find that a lot of people I'm talking to still don't know about it. And that's when I start throwing numbers at them. And I go, look, one in seven people were added. Yeah. It's going to take you 10 minutes. Yeah. Just and and don't you want to tag your song with the right tags so it gets in front of the right person? Yeah, I. You know, if you're releasing rock music, you don't want it to go to the electronic team. You know, we've it's such an interesting system. And when you say one in seven, it's fascinating because you really think about it. Let's be honest for a second. Of the uh, sixty or forty or fifty thousand that they they received in the first couple of months, um, you got to admit there's probably a lot in there that's not very good. You know, there's because it's so easy to. You could record a song on your iPhone and submit it through your annual subscription to DistroKid and then submit it to Spotify. So of those one in seven, we might be only talking about one in four. Um, you know, Four of those seven songs might actually be um, of a, a, a good quality and good music. You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, let's put it this way. I could have a great song and you could have a good song. If I submit and you don't, I've got a much better chance of getting out of the you. Oh, for sure. That's a great point. And, and yeah. you've put all that time into your great song. That means you've probably spent years longer than me honing your craft, you know, doing vocal lessons, all of that. And I've just come along and just jumped right in there and taken, up, taken that playlist for, um, opportunity from you because you didn't submit. 
So well, I, you know, that's a great point. One of the things I'm most excited about, and I don't know if you have any experience with this, but I'm most excited about this submission process. And and for a lot of the labels who listen to us are a little bit more uh, outside of the pop genre. But what I'm excited about is how is this submission process going to work with some of the more obscure genres? So for example, Christmas music or uh, ambient music, instrumental music. We have an instrumental artist. He's a, a pedal steel, ambient pedal steel player, M. Greg, and we haven't had very much success on blogs with him because people are more likely to share a singer-songwriter pop song or a rock song, something that gets the ears on the blog, as opposed to <laughs> a six-minute <laughs> ambient drone, you know? But there are <laughs> listeners of that. And so what I'm excited about, and I wonder if, if you have any thoughts on this, is there are amazing playlists on Spotify that feature chill music and ambient music. There's study music, there's sleep playlists that have millions of followers. And it, I'm excited now that some of these more obscure genres will actually get a chance to be heard that 20 years ago would never have gotten on the radio. Uh, you know what I mean? So now I feel like there could be a way for ambient artists to actually make an income. <laughs> yeah, and you know what? Wouldn't it be awesome to be one of the first ambient artists to have a successful submission on Spotify and then go back to all of your friends and go, guess what? There's a home for us on Spotify and all you have to do is submit. <laughs> yeah. uh, you know, I mean, what's, what could be better than that? And there's going to be, like you said, it's, a, it's more of a niche um, genre. Um, so there's there's less people that are as active on streaming services with specific genres. Mm. That's the best time to get in there before everyone realizes. I mean, I'm pretty sure until until a few years ago, people didn't think, oh, I make uh, acoustic uh, guitar music or I record relaxing piano music. Uh, I never even considered putting it on Spotify. I'm sure now when you look at the uh, top playlists uh, on there, they've sort of changed their mind about mm. that. I'm really, I really want to test out this system because with the tags that they offer, I mean, you can select that it's instrumental, you can select that it's ambient, that it, uh, all these different tags. And uh, I'm just really excited. And if any of our listeners have had any experience with this, I really hope that um, some of these extremely obscure um, genres and uh, less mainstream genres can generate some significant income because like I said, a lot of these chill uh, playlists do have significant following. Exactly. <laughs> I mean, you, you have to submit. Yeah. <laughs> uh, that's the only way that it's really going to happen. I mean, yeah, the algorithms could work in your favor, but it's not going to harm your, your chances by submitting yourself as well. What's going on with Apple Music? I mean, we've talked about the importance of all the platforms, but really at the top of the pile um, culturally is Spotify. Uh, and, and when I look at my my revenue, it's the top of the pile is Spotify and second place is Apple. Um, less so, obviously, the, the iTunes store. Um, but mm -hmm. what's happening with Apple? They seem more reactionary. They don't seem to be as excited about their platform as Spotify uh, is about theirs. Well, I mean, Apple have a lot of things going on outside of just music. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> <laughs> oh, really? <laughs> yeah, you know, they, they seem to be doing okay. Um, I, you know, I, I, I look at it and this is purely just my opinion, but I feel that they're just sitting back playing it very safe. Mm. You know, they took, a, they took a few years to put Apple Music for Artists out, but you know, full credit to Apple. Apple Music for Artists is awesome. I know it's still in beta, right. but there's some features in there that Spotify for Artists still don't have mm. yet, uh, which kind of just made me say, wow. So one example is um, in Apple Music for Artists, you can actually go in there and see your most popular songs in each city. Mm. So that's particularly useful if you're playing a new city for the first time because let's say – you've got a big crowd and you want to keep them there, you know which is your strongest performing song in that city, right. you open with that. Right. It, um, 
you know, if you're losing them towards the middle or the <laughs> end, you, you know what song you need to bring them back yeah, again. Yeah. Um, and, and then having those, obviously, Listeners by City is uh, available in Spotify as well. But, yeah, I, I just found having most popular song by City is a really cool feature, especially when it comes to shows. And even if you were doing some targeted ads, targeted ads on social media, if you had a song that was popping off in one particular city, why not do some targeted ads to people in that city with a link to that song and then ask them, where should I play a show and uh, build up some buzz so that you can get a local promoter and go, look at this post. I've got a thousand engagements on here from people who are hungry for me to come and play a show here. Uh, would you like to book me? That's great. That's a good point. Yeah, I didn't realize that feature. I have looked around a little bit in artists um, on Apple. I, I like their little uh, kind of like um, tiny little trophies that they post, these little stats that say, you know, your song just got a thousand plays in the first week or this song just broke 20,000 all times plays. I like those little things. Yeah, I'm, I'm the same. I, it's, it's really cool. And I, I like the nice clean summaries that they do mm-hmm. when you log yes. in. It's just, here's something you didn't know that um, your popularity in Japan has just really taken off in the last few days. Right. And then you can start looking around and see perhaps why, you know, I, um, I, what I love about artists for Spotify, and I, I, you're probably like me, I spend probably um, three hours a day in there just <laughs> looking around. <laughs> but um, uh, what I like about it is if you have received uh, success on a song, um, you know exactly where, why. You know exactly where it came from. You know the playlist. You know the country. You know the day it was added to the playlist. I am experiencing something right now in Apple Music where... I had one song that has hit 30,000 plays in the past two weeks, and I don't know why. And it won't, it hasn't been, according to Apple, it hasn't been featured on a playlist anywhere. When I search my name on Apple Music, I can't find where this is coming from. I've tried to Google it to see if it was on a blog somewhere. And, and even the number seems like it's spread out over the country. So I'm, I, I love Spotify for that reason where it's, we know where the success is coming from. Now go and do more of that. Um, so there's, there's Apple, I think, might be still lacking in something. Yeah, um, I've actually had a similar, a similar experience with Apple. And uh, as cool as it is, I, I did a little research and I found out that I actually had a friend hit me up uh, in Canada, okay. uh, of, all, of all places, <laughs> and, <laughs> and, uh, and um, say, you wouldn't believe this, but on my uh, Monday playlist that Apple Music generates for me, your, your song was in there. Oh, wow. And I go, wow, that's crazy. Are you following my, me on um, Apple Music? And they said no. And I went, well, I appreciate your honesty, but that's really <laughs> weird then. Yeah. Yeah. So, um. And, uh, you know, the the only thing that I can compare that to is release radar right. where sometimes songs from artists that you're not yet following can be slotted in there as well because it's if you like this, you might like this. Yeah. So um, I found that, yeah, a, a significant number of streams came from that and then the other streams came from uh, radio on Apple That's Music. Right. So yeah. not the actual radio stations, but when you start an, a radio station based on an artist and it plays similar artists. Yes. And and that's it, you know, that's another great thing. You mentioned release radar, but the, the Discover Weekly on on Spotify and I and I know that Apple has their own way of doing it as well. But that if if I were to look back and and I've I've been lucky and some of my artists have been lucky enough to be featured on editorial playlists, but when I look back at um, everything, I would say most of my streams come from Discover Weekly. And I think that's such a phenomenal tool that somebody could listen to Ray LaMontagne or listen to Ben Howard or something. And fans of those people um, will will naturally be directed to my music by Spotify through Discover Weekly. I love that. How Do you know anything about that process, how that works? This, uh, to get songs potentially in Discover yeah, Weekly? Yeah, yeah. Uh, this is just my understanding. I, I haven't actually confirmed this as such, but my understanding is that it is based on who you follow, your listening history, 
uh, albums you have saved in your library. So it's basically saying if if you like Michael Jackson, uh, you may like this artist who is similar. Right, right. And, um, you know, that's where you're going to start seeing those artists in Discover Weekly. And most importantly, from what I've seen, they're artists that I've never actually listened to before for the most part, which is wow. which makes it even cooler. Uh, you know, whereas Release Radar, it's artists that I've listened to many times oh, before. I some, I haven't, I, some I haven't followed, but it puts those songs in there for me anyway because it assumes that I may like their new song. And, and I, I am a, a Spotify apologist. I think people on this podcast know this, but I, this is what I, I love about them and, and um, uh, that why I consider them to be artist-friendly is when you do stuff like that. When, when this Discover Weekly is, they are creating this playlist that pops up right at the top on the homepage of everyone's account and is saying, we're going to play for you artist that you've never ever heard before, but we we think, uh, or the computer thinks, that, knows that you're going to like. I think that's great for independent artists. Absolutely, and I mean Spotify have access to the, your listening history, and that's not scary. <laughs> right. I, I yes. mean, they're they're serving all the music to you. That that's fine. Keep that. Keep it. You know, know what I like and don't like. Yeah. Um, you know, and some people have connected Spotify to their last FM account oh. and they've been scrobbling for years before oh, Spotify. Wow. So, um, you know, some people have a very long record of their music over the years um, yeah. available. So, you know, back in the day when you would uh, have, uh, you would rip a CD that you purchased, yeah. of course, yeah. into <laughs> iTunes. Um <laughs> And then, you know, if you had Last FM connected, it, it would be scrobbling your listening history back then as well. Uh, so I'm going to do that. I had no idea. I mean, I have like probably, I, I stopped using Last FM, but boy, I loved that. That was a great tool. Yeah. And um, it's, it's funny. It's still, I, I find that the related artists is very similar to what's on Spotify as well. So it's a, it's a great way of sort of uh, keeping track of your listening history across multiple streaming services. So, you know, if, if you listen to Spotify 80% of the time, but you go to Apple Music, maybe there's some more hip-hop on there that they don't have on Spotify. Um, at least you're keeping track of your listening history across all these different services as well. Right, right. Let's talk to the independent artist for a second and to the indie label. Um, uh, you know, the indie label representing these independent artists, but I know that we have a lot of DIY musicians who listen. What kind of things should they do to get the most out of their release? That's a, that's a really good question because there's a lot. Um, <laughs> Buy your ebook. Mo, mo, yeah, <laughs> no, no. Look, um, most importantly is you have to give yourself time. You know, mm. I for an independent artist, it's not as long as a major label release. Major labels, if you have a song that you deliver to them now, they might go, "Cool, we're planning this for summer 2019." Right. Yeah, and true. and you just kind of sit back and keep making new music, and and then a surprise yeah. it comes out in the future. But uh, for an indie artist, I would I always say four weeks is a good time. Okay. So basically, you have a song that you would like to release in four weeks from today. <laughs> what you would do is today you would go to your distributor and you would upload that song and set the release date four weeks from today. That's the first step. Mm. And then the good thing about that is if you don't know what to do, then you can look at resources. You've got a little bit of time. You know, obviously my book's there, but there's a whole bunch of other resources <laughs> as well. Yeah. I can't, I'm not, I'm not a one-stop shop. Yeah. Um, as, as my friend Rick Barker says, we're, you know, we're all an acquired taste. You know, some people may prefer to learn from me. Some people may prefer to learn from someone else. Right. Wherever you get your information, that that's, that's what matters. Right. Um, and then, um, what, you know, the next steps for preparing your release after that is, you know, actually getting your pitch together. So, uh, press kits are still important, but you don't necessarily put your press kit uh, in the Spotify submission form or anything like that, but at least you have the compelling story ready. You have all of the links to all of your social media. You make sure that all your social media looks great mm. and it, it all looks the same um, so that people, if they find you on 
Facebook, they can go to about and they can click the links to all your other social media pages. If they go to you on SoundCloud, they can go to um, see the links to all your other social media. And the reason I say this is I get, I get artists send me a link to their Facebook and then I want to find all their other social media. I have to open up multiple tabs and actually search for it. Mm because they haven't just listed it in their about page or, um, you know, and um, Spotify allow you to include your, I believe it's Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and Wikipedia right there on the about page, which is, is huge Totally, because that if somebody just discovers your music and they go to about and they read a little bit, a little bit about you, they can click Twitter and Facebook and Instagram and follow you. And now you've got them. You <laughs> yeah, know, you, you, they're great. not just following you on Spotify. You've got them on other um, social media platforms as well. Totally. So you could take them with you. So if you release a music video on YouTube and you post it on Instagram, they're, they're going to see that now. Yeah, that's great. That's great. I was going to ask yeah, you. And, sorry, go ahead. Yeah. No, I, was gonna, <laughs> I could go all day. Um, <laughs> And that kind of leads me to what I wanted to say was um, with your profiles, make sure you get them, uh, your profiles looking good on these platforms as well. So, you know, Apple Music, you can upload an artist image. Spotify, you can upload an artist image. Um, one thing that people don't know with Spotify, it's not, it's not very well, um, I guess, very well known, but if you upload images in Spotify for artists, uh, so if you obviously you've got your profile picture for your artist page on Spotify, mm-hmm. if you go into SpotifyArtists.com and upload some more photos of yourself, you're basically giving Spotify permission to use those photos. Right. And what can happen from that is one of two things: they will email some of your followers the week of your release and go, hey, guess what? Brand new music out by Scott Orr. And um, it'll have a photo of you and it will tell them about your song and there'll be a click-through link directly to Spotify. Mm. And you didn't pay for that. It's it's free marketing right. and it's from Spotify themselves. Yeah. Um, the other way that it can happen for you is if you have a concert coming up, uh, Spotify also from time to time will send out emails to your followers um, and, and it will say, hey, upcoming shows that you may like to go to. And once again, there will be one of those photos you uploaded with a link for people to buy tickets to go and see your, go and see your show. Mm. It, it is incredible. I mean, these are all little things that, um, and, and this is something I've talked about with some of my PR friends and um, that, that success in the music industry, whatever that means, is uh, is thousands of of little things. It's not one or two things. It's just getting your act together on every single platform, being consistent and strategic on every single platform and in every action that you do f- uh, leading up to a release. That's it. It's um, you know, it's it. Planning is very important. People are under the assumption that you can release a song overnight. Mm. And yes, with distributors, you can. Right. You could upload a yeah. song now to CD Baby, Distro Kid, whoever you use, and it could be on Spotify tomorrow. Yeah. <laughs> um, or even, you know, I've seen songs on iTunes within two hours. That's n- not necessarily a good thing because no one at the editorial team is has listened oh, to your song yeah, in that time. Totally. Um, and I always say to people, I say, look, when, when Beyonce and Jay-Z drop a new album and, wow, look, a new album just dropped overnight. No, it didn't. They were recording it for one year before that. Mm. They had it completed, mastered. They had the artwork done. They would have probably went into Apple or Spotify, all the services, and delivered it maybe six months prior. <laughs> yeah. And there would have been a long strategy. Totally with all of those services to make sure Good that point. that release was going yes. to be there. Yes. You know, you, when you go into Apple Music or Spotify and you see a big banner up the top saying, brand new Bruno Mars song, he didn't just record it yesterday <laughs> and uh, <laughs> they didn't just email it to yeah. Apple last yeah, yeah. night. You know, That's it, true. Yeah. Well, I, I mean, I know radio 
people are under that assumption as well. You know, oh, we just got this brand new song in five minutes ago. We haven't even listened to it to make sure there's no cursing or anything, yeah. but we're going to play it right now right. at eight in the morning for you. <laughs> Enjoy. <laughs> it's um, I yeah. I think that the the lead time is something I have heard. We've talked about with other record labels um, all season long, and it's it's stuff I talk about with with PR people, and it's stuff I try to reiterate to to independent artists as much as possible. And it really, the strategy of a release should really mirror um, the recording process and the, the process that, I mean, when you think about how you take time to write a song and you refine the lyrics and you show people and, and then you, you book a studio date and you do pre-production and then you record the song and you bring in special inter- instrumentalists and then you mix it and then you master it. It's this whole could be a six month to a year process for a song or for a record. And, and then all of a sudden you get the masters back and you upload it to Spotify that day with no artwork or with, you know, without thinking about the artwork. It's like, to me, that's what always surprises me is that, and and I don't blame artists for this. Of course, that's what labels are for, for people like you, but it's just, you know, the amount of effort and care you put into the creation process, the same should be done on the distribution end. Oh, yeah, definitely. I mean, there's a quote out there that's uh, somewhat controversial and has mixed opinions, but, um, you know, Pitbull, um, you know, he, he'll admit himself that he's not the strongest as an original artist, but he is as a remixer. Um but there's no doubt that he's absolutely smashed it worldwide for himself. So Pitbull said, uh, and I believe it was, the music industry is 20% talent, 80% business. <sighs> and he wasn't saying that you're only 20% talented. He was saying that you know, your talent makes up 20% of what needs to be done for your release to be a success. Interesting. So if you go and you, you spend two weeks working on a song and it's amazing and you love it, why wouldn't you spend even longer making sure that that song gets out, gets in front of people's ears and gets heard? Mm. So, you know, that's a good rule to sort of look at. Just go, okay, I've poured two weeks of my life into this song. I locked myself into a room. Do I just want to spend two hours um, getting it online and doing some social posts and hoping for the best or do I want to invest a few more weeks of my life into really getting behind this song and getting it out there. Yeah. At the same time, do you think that artists should be prolific? I mean, we are seeing DistroKid, um, they, their model um, promotes being prolific and, and, and Spotify has bought into DistroKid, but do you? Th- how often should someone release a song? I mean, even though we are trying to be four weeks, um, should it just be a constant thing? Like, like, like Spotify is your social media feed. You're constantly feeding it content. What do? You, what? Are, what's your timeline thoughts on on artists? Yeah. Look, I mean, the the focus used to be what's the latest song from this artist. That's all I'm going to listen to, mm. and now it's whatever you like from that artist. And the reason I say that is I've seen artists deliver one song to radio and the same day deliver a completely different song to streaming services. Right, yeah. So you hear a new song on radio and you go, wow, I really like this artist. You look them up on streaming services, boom, you've heard another song from them and now you love that artist. Right. Um, as far as releasing, I it depends on how much you have um, content-wise. If you're planning to release four songs a year, spread them out evenly. Right. Uh, if you're working your way towards an album of 20 songs, I say to artists, I say, you can release songs individually in the lead up to an album. And what that means is if you have 20 songs on the album, you could release a song every other week, every two weeks, mm. and pump those songs out Um with the Spotify submission system, as long as you do that at least seven days prior, your song is guaranteed to go into release radar for all of your followers. Wow. So if you have 5,000 followers, every two weeks, you're going to have a new song going to release radar for 5,000 people. Mm. So that's going to help keep that momentum up and keep your, your, um, your engagement on Spotify going. And then what happens, which is really cool, is once the album 
is ready, when you go to your distributor, whoever that is, and you're uploading the songs, you already have an ISRC, an International Standard Recording Code, for each track. And that is how they match that track on streaming services. Mm. So let's say track two on your album already has 200,000 streams because it was released earlier in the year. When you upload that album and you put in the same ISRC for that track, track two, on release day of your album, guess what? People are going to look at your album and go, wow, the second track on this album already has 200,000 streams. (laughs) Great point. Because by using that same ISRC, those stream counts emerged. And so moving forward from that, your album's out. If people go and discover the single release of that song or listen to that song on the album, the stream count will be the same no matter where they discover Mm. it. Um, The other benefit of that is that when you look at an artist's top 10 songs on Spotify, you won't see the same song four or five different times with different stream numbers next to it. You only see one and there's room for nine other songs to be featured at the top of your profile. I, yeah, no, that's a good point. And that's, uh, you know, this is a technical thing, but it is very important. And, uh, and you know, we're talking about today, this is, we're talking at the back end of the system, the, the behind the scenes that, that might not be pretty or, or fun or creative or artistic to talk about. But these are things that will help all of us as musicians, as, uh, as artists to, um, to reach more ears and to be able to, to create more uh, in the years to come. And, and so it's great advice. I, yeah, that's it. And go. you know, the industry is always changing. So this advice <laughs> is, is relevant today. We may have to re-record this tomorrow. You know, that's uh, <laughs> so, it's so true. And, and that, that I love, I like where things are going. I, I like, I have, I felt like, I, I, I've had things, I'm starting to figure it out. Now, I know it's all going to change next month, but yeah, I, I like where things are going. Yeah, look, transparency is huge now in the music industry. I mean, of all companies, Apple is one of the most least transparent companies, right. uh, except when it comes to September every year when there's a new announcement, <laughs> of course. Um, and and for, for even Apple to offer access to so much data uh, on, you know, not just for artists, but for, uh, you know, sales in their app store, uh, podcasts, things like that. It's, um, it's an exciting time for any kind of creator. And I, uh, we could do a whole nother podcast about this, but, uh, places where, uh, podcasters can upload their podcasts and get access to that data is a whole nother conversation. But, you know, any kind of creator, whatever you're creating, um, the, the, the data that you have access to now is insane. Mm. Um, I wish I had it 10 years ago. You're absolutely but right. Here we are. Yeah, no, you're absolutely right. H- how did you get into this? What's happening right now with, with Work Hard Playlist Hard? Because when I first met you or heard of you, and, and this goes back to the very beginning of our conversation, I, I found you because I had heard that the way to be considered to, to, to find success on Spotify and on, on editorial playlisting was to go after these third-party curators who have a following on Spotify and other streaming platforms to try to reach them, be considered and included by them. And then if you are selected by these tastemakers like yourself and, and Indy Mono and Alex Rainbird, et cetera, then all of a sudden... Uh, you might get noticed by Spotify if you're lucky. Um, so tell me, how did you get into that and, uh, and and what's going on with that today? Yeah, Work Hard, Playlist Hard. The, the playlists were originally just my own private playlists. I curated them for fun. Okay. And then I started to share them with a few friends who said, you know, why don't you make this available so I can follow it? And um, then over time... It started to grow. The following grew. You know, it wasn't an overnight thing. It's taken years, Mm. and and a lot of uh, a lot of (laughs) heavy curation to um, keep keep them going and um, make sure that people are listening and enjoying them. Um, But with work hard, playlist hard. Yeah, it started as those playlists, and then it expanded into 
the book and uh, blog and then I actually just recently I've started rebranding a lot of what I'm doing under my own name. Okay. And the reason for that was that basically everyone was just, um, they knew it was just me behind it anyway. Right. So, uh, people were just saying, hey, uh, thanks, Mike Warner, for uh, adding me to your work hard playlist, hard playlist. And I went, wow, that's a lot. You're going to run out of characters in Twitter. Um, <laughs> and, uh, you know, and then a lot of people, uh, you know, around the time of the book, uh, I, I found a lot of people going, hey, I was talking to my friend about what, what I should do with this upcoming release. And he said, ask Mike Warner. Oh, nice. Uh, and um, I, I had a friend say, that's it. That's, that's how you're going to brand yourself now <laughs> because everyone wants to ask you questions. Yeah. And I went, oh, totally. You know what? And I like to help people. So um, that's why the branding sort of changed. And um, because it was just me the whole time. I mean, yes, there's a few playlists where I have curators who do a great job and I've let them take over those playlists. And you can see that in the playlist description. Mm. But aside from that, it's just been myself. So that's awesome. Um, and that's yeah, and, and it feels really good because whatever I do next, I, I can take my name with me. You know, work hard, playlist hard kind of limits me to playlists. Right. Right. Because you've moved into now with the book, you've moved into speaking. I know you're you're heading somewhere next week. So you're doing some more consulting and speaking as well. Yeah, that's it. Um I Less speaking. I mean, I, you can probably tell I love to talk, but <laughs> uh, less less speaking and more doing. So I really like to get in there and get people actually doing stuff straight away. Mm. I go, look, we're here right now. I'm with you for the next hour. If you've got your laptop here, you want to pull it out and do what I'm doing. By all means, go for That's it. Cool. You've got an hour where you can dedicate to yourself right now with me instructing you on what to do. That's cool. Um, and for other people, you, you know, if they don't bring their laptop, don't worry. Right. You know, sit sit back, watch my screen, and I'll share a recording with you later. Um, and that's how you build your mailing list, of course. Yeah. <laughs> and um, so, yeah, I really enjoy the hands-on approach instead of just, you know, panels are great and it's great to share my opinion as well and I do find them interesting, but I'm really pushing to do more workshops this year as well because I want to get out there and just, you know, help people get to that next step and, and go, here's an hour, me and you and 500 other people and let's do it. Right. Right. That's great. I love it. And I, and I, I, I think these third party curators um, have been so helpful in the process. And I think this is important. And I know it's a little bit about talking about how the sausage is made and it's not as, as, as beautiful as, as sitting down and writing a song or recording a song, but it's an important part of the process, and I do believe that as of today, there are ways um, to implement some best practices uh, from from a label standpoint or from a independent musician standpoint um, that can can have a real significant impact on making a living as an artist. I'm sorry. Would you would you mind repeating yeah, that? Yeah, sure. Uh, technology out of out of out of out of the entire call. Technology just failed us. Oh, really? Yet. I'm sorry. No, that's okay. <laughs> what I was saying was because of people like you and and this conversation that we're having, um, it's it's not uh, an artistic conversation. It's talking about how the sausage is made. But it is an important one to have because I believe that a lot of these best practices can have a significant impact on uh, our, all of our dreams of making a living as an artist. Yeah, exactly. Um, and I'm never going to tell an artist how to create their music or um, you know, make comments on their crafts. That's their, Interesting. You know, that's their thing. Yeah. Um, I'm just going to tell you once you once you've got that end product, what to do from there. I mean, and the other reason for that is, I'm not an amazing producer. I'm not a mastering engineer uh, or a mixing engineer. Um, there's other people that you can go to to um, for that kind of advice. Uh, and you know, I I think there's way too many people that say, well, first you got to have good music. I, I I avoided ever saying that to people because I'm under the assumption that. 
if they've come to me or they've invested time in purchasing my book or they're, you know, they've gone to someone else, done an online course, whatever, they're, they're confident, they're happy, they know that they've got something that's good enough that they're willing to invest their time and perhaps their money into trying to get it out there and get it heard. Mm. So I don't need to tell people, oh, you got to have good music first before you do this. It, you right. know, that, that's pretty much a given. Yeah, that's um, right. And a lot of that's subjective too. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. I mean, you don't go asking you, your best friend or, or a family member for feedback on your song. You go to someone who is a mixing engineer who doesn't really know you. Right. Um, yeah, or, or you go to someone at your local radio station and just say, look, I'm not trying to pitch this song to you for airplay, but I'd really love your opinion on it. Yeah, yeah. You know what? I, I, I don't want to take any more of your time. I appreciate this conversation. Um, I love this topic. I could talk about it all day. I find it very interesting. I, I find it to be where our industry is headed and, and therefore, and it's ever changing. Spotify is always announcing new tools for artists. And, uh, I just find it, uh, such a fascinating conversation and thank you. Thank you for supporting the podcast this year. And thank you for taking the time to, to share some of your expertise with our listeners. Thank you for inviting me. It's, um, you know, it's been a long time coming. We've been yeah. we've been talking since I think maybe the start of the year, maybe even earlier. Right. And um, you know, it, it's really good to actually. This is the first time we've spoken as I well, know. so that's probably why this is so long. <laughs> it's been a long time coming. Yeah, absolutely. Well, listen, I mean, you featured some of my songs or some of my artist songs back in the day on your playlists, and and those generated some significant plays. So, thank you for that. Of course. I mean, good music always has a place on my playlist. That's awesome. Uh, and, you know, it got in on its own merits. That's the most important thing. I, you know, because uh, one thing that people need to remember with curators is if, if they don't add a song, it's because it doesn't fit their playlist and they don't want to risk losing followers right. because that, then that playlist is not as strong. So if you pitch a song and they say it doesn't fit my playlist, it's not a cop-out they're actually saying, I don't want to put your song on this specific playlist because the people that listen may drop off because mm -hmm. it doesn't match yeah. what I've got in here right now. So, you know, I always, you know, I, I send music to curators myself and I always say, look, if it doesn't fit, no problem, yeah. no hard feelings. Yeah. You know, I, I don't want to, I respect your curation and I don't want you to put a song on that's, not going to fit. I'm most encouraged about this whole process that it seems to be where um, it's moving towards uh, merit and the uh, uniqueness of a song and, and of, a, of a produced track, as opposed to who has the most money, who has the most connections, who greases the, the right hands, you know? And that's, you don't need money. You just need time. Yeah. <laughs> That's right. Thanks so much, Mike. And if you don't have time, you need money. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks so much, Mike. I, I, I really appreciate this. Thank you, Scott. I truly appreciate it as well. And thank you, everyone, for listening. You can check out Mike Warner at uh, his handle on social media is uh, Ask Mike Warner. And uh, his website is workhardplaylisthard.com. Um, I first found out about them just because they were one of those third-party um playlisters that you could submit your songs to um and i did and and he had put some of our tracks on his uh, fresh finds playlist which was great anyway really enjoyed that interview and i hope you did too if you have any questions or comments about the streaming thing i know there's a lot of opinions and i think that's good um feel free to to send me an email at podcast at otherrecordlabels.com the book we talked about at the beginning you can get at ebook.otherrecordlabels.com and use the coupon code other and that supports us a little bit. Thank you so much for listening. And um, again, if you're tracking along this season, we have some new stuff coming in 2019. Some of the, the most incredible labels um, that you can imagine have uh, returned my calls. And there's some great interviews coming up. Thanks for listening. <laughs>